This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Welcome to the unlucky 13th episode of the Two-Headed Nerd where anything could go wrong and we're talking comics and news for the week of April 6th. My name is Matt Baum, and when the internet isn't rising up against me for insulting the best co-host in the world, That's right. and I'll give you one guess as to who wrote this, I'm writing about <laughs> and appraising comics for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska, and when I'm not defending my good name from the attacks that spew from Matt's black heart, I'm the artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online. This week we're going to review Herc number one from Marvel Comics and non-player number one from Image. We'll melt your faces off in the lightning round, gaze in the future to look at next week's comics, and wax philosophical and ask a nerd. But before we unleash the beast, serious. let's check out this week's big news. All right, before we go any farther, we've got to toss out a huge spoiler warning. I know we usually try to stay spoiler-free, but something happened in this week's comics that we just have to talk about. We have to talk about it. So if you are a huge spoiler baby, you'd better skip ahead a couple minutes. Mark it on your calendars, kids. We were wrong. More importantly, I was wrong. Because I think I did the bulk of the bitching about this one. DC Comics tricked me. They played us like fiddles by revealing (laughs) that Swamp Thing was the ultimate villain. And Alec Holland, who is Swamp Thing's alter ego, is Earth's chosen protector. He is the White Lantern. We were way off on this Ra's al Ghul business. They played us. They totally played us. I know. Now, I still want to stick to the the fact that not giving us any news at the cons – is still not cool. Stop it. And this does not retroactively make that okay. This is not that conversation. I will say I was wrong. I admit it. It happens sometimes. And I love this. I love it so much. Yeah, the fact that Swamp Thing and Alec <laughs> Holland are kind of – well, they were always separate. Alan Moore revealed that Swamp Thing was never Alec Holland. He was just um, a creature that thought he was Alec Holland. Uh, often when asked, Matt, what is your favorite comic book character, my first answer is the Swamp Thing. And I can't tell you how excited I am to have him back. If DC screws this up, okay, if it's not Swamp Thing, and I mean plant guy with the weird mouth thing made of vines and the strange nose or whatever it is. Sex I want, tubers. Uh, yeah, I want the Swamp Thing. Not Life Man, not White Lantern Alec Holland. I want the Swamp Thing back. If they screw this up, I am burning my DC comics in the parking lot of Legend Comics. 5131 Leavenworth Street. You're all welcome to come and dance around them until they lose their power. <laughs> now, I will say that if they, like, at the moment it seems like Swamp Thing, the creature, is, like, untethered. And he's been corrupted by this force or whatever. Right, like he needs the human force to And Alec Holland bring him is back. the only thing that can cleanse the earth of this blackness or whatever. I think the, the quote was, the green has become the black. Right. So if this ends with Swamp Thing being restored... And Alec Holland being resurrected. So cool. As two separate characters, I mean. Because it's been a long time since Alec Holland's been around. Alec Holland died. Well, yeah. And it was just a swamp thing. The plant that thought he was a man. So, it was, yeah, I was floored. I was so excited to see it. And it's fun that they're tying it directly into the Alan Moore stuff with the green and the red. Oh, man. The Parliament of Trees. Ooh, I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, exciting stuff. If you're not on board Brightest Day, get on board. There's one issue to go. The trades are going to start coming out. Speaking of which, in two weeks, the first very special episode of The Two-Headed Nerd, where we will be taking a long look at Brightest Day, what happened, where we're at, and how we feel. It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be so special. 
In other news, Marvel Comics announced that they'll be launching a new Captain America number one in July. Ed Brubaker will continue his epic run as writer with super late superstar Steve McNiven on art. <laughs> Meanwhile, the original Cap book will be retitled Captain America and Bucky with July's issue 620 and will be co-written by Brubaker and Manhunter creator Mark Andreco. Fun. With art by my two-headed nerd favorite Chris Somney. Yeah. Good for you, Chris Somney. <laughs> and Mark Andreco at Marvel. That's exciting. I like Mark Andreco yeah. a lot. The title is reportedly going to be a flashback series that ties into the present day somehow. Now, how do we feel about this, Matt? Is Marvel renumbering books for no reason again? Not for no reason. I mean, I guess if you're going to bring Steve back as Cap, then I can see that as a good way to start Captain America again. I was a little hesitant on the Cap and Bucky book when I heard it was a flashback. Same here. But I like that they are tying it into modern day. I think that'll make it work. And they've got great names on it, so I'm oh, not worried about the creative I'm so team. glad for Chris Somney on a high-profile book. Yeah, no, it's about time. Totally awesome. he's a talented guy. Now, I will say, how long can this be a flashback book? Like, is this a flashback book that's going to run for five years? Well, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah, I'm willing to give it a try. I'm excited about both of these. I agree. Steve McNiven is always an exciting name to hear, but... Hit on paper, <laughs> Steve McNiven is He's great a news. late, late guy. You know? yeah. And it's not his fault. Steve McNiven has an amazing art style, and it probably takes time to draw that well. It's true. So this is exciting news from Marvel. I am pumped for both of these books. Yeah, and Cap looks to be super good and getting better, as Zig Ziglar says. In our final story, this week saw the release of 2011's Eisner Award nominees. As you may or may not know, the Eisners are basically the Comic Book Academy Awards, where recognition is given to nearly every aspect of comic creation. From writing to lettering to book design for graphic novels, collected editions, plain old comics, and even comic-related publications. We'll post a link to the full list of nominees on our Facebook page. Joe, do you see any interesting races here? You know, I think we've got a real interesting list of writers nominated this year. Yeah, this one's tough. Jim McCann is nominated for Return of the Dapper Men. Nick Spencer, of course. Uh, Joe Hill for Lock and Key. Ian Boothby, back here for more Simpsons Bongo comics. Simpsons yeah. and Futurama. <laughs> Bongo, getting the nod every year. And John Lehman for Chew, which is pretty great. And there's not a Bendis or a Rucka or an yeah. Alan Moore in, the, in that bunch. Noticeably. So, uh, I, I think that's a, a great list of names and Who a lot here? of deserving talent. Who wins here? I want to say give it to Joe Hill, but I think it's going to go to Nick Spencer. Really? Yeah. I think it's going to be Joe Hill or John Lehman. And if John Lehman gets it, that's a dark horse. That's exciting. Under best writer artist, I think there's two names here. One of which, And I know that you love Terry Moore's Echo, who's also nominated. But yeah. I think this comes down to Dan Klaus and Darwin Cook. You know what? Dan Klaus bums me out. <laughs> he's, so, he's so good. He is so good. I, I know that he's The guy is a, a living legend. I love his stuff. But, I mean, you got to give that to to, uh, to Richard Stark. To that's, Darwin Cook. That's, I mean, for I, Richard Stark's Parker. Yeah. The, and now his Parker stuff is good. Here, the only reason I don't think it wins is because he's adapting it. I think that's the only reason that Dan Klaus wins, because he's got original stuff here. Yeah, but that's not the criteria. I understand, but I'm saying it. I'm going with Dan Klaus. All right. Best new series sees American Vampire by Scott Snyder, I Zombie from Chris Robertson, a Marine Man Which, from Ian Churchill. What the heck? Uh, some people love it. I, I, our buddies at the poll list love it. I don't get it. I didn't get it either. Morning, Morning Glories. Glories. Yeah, deserving. And Superboy what by is Jeff Lemire. This? What? Is, really? Superboy? It, we just slammed this series a few weeks ago. And, it's and not, not terrible. It's, it's just, just not there's great. There's nothing there. There's it's nothing certainly new. not best. Totally mediocre. I don't understand this nod at all. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, in terms of surprise, that's one of them. Who wins here? Who wins for best new series? I think 
uh, American Vampire uh, yeah. is uh, most deserving. Yeah, American Vampire, absolutely. I think it wins. Best limited series looks pretty interesting, too, here. You've oh, got yeah. Baltimore, the Plague Ships. Not the strongest thing I've read from Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden. Good, but again, not the strongest. Cinderella from Fable Town, which I know you loved. It's so good. Day Tripper. Which oh, oh I, give yeah, the I, award to Day Tripper. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I think this is open. And Why shut, are there Day more Tripper. books that are nominated? But then you got Joe the Barbarian by Grant Morrison and Stump Town by Greg Rucka, which was just fantastic. Stump Town's very good. Oh, everything on this list is very good, but there's I really no think Day it Tripper comes down win. to Day Tripper versus Joe the Barbarian. Yeah, there's no way Day Tripper doesn't win. Yeah, and even though Joe the Barbarian was very very good, Day Tripper was amazing. If there was no words in Day Tripper, I would still give it to it. Yeah. It was just gorgeous. Yes, uh, very 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 deserving of that award. So not a bunch of big surprises, but wow, some notable names: Joe Hill, all over. Lots of nods here. Uh, yeah, Nick Lock Spencer. nominated a number of times. Nick Spencer. Nick Spencer, a couple. Uh, Naoki Urasawa for 20th Century Boys. A couple of big nods. Best continuing series, best writer. I, I might have to check this one out. I'm interested. I know the movies came out. And I heard those were a lot of fun, too. Jim McCann's Jim McCann. uh, Return of the Dapper Men. People sang about that Just one. Just a, a phenomenal book. You should check it out and very deserving. Scott Snyder's name, all of this for American Vampire. Yeah. So it's a good list of nominees. That's the big news for this week. If we missed any stories that you want to discuss or talk about some more nominees, hit us up on our Facebook page where the award show orchestra has been slowly playing us off for 13 weeks now. Enough of this bull****. Let's talk about some comics that came out last Wednesday, <laughs> April 6th. Joe, what did you read this week? I read Herc Number 1 from Marvel Comics written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lente. With art by Neil Edwards and Scott Hanna. This is Herc's first issue post-Chaos War. He has lost his godlike status. He is a mortal amongst men. Yeah. Uh, he's got... Bleeding all over the place. Yeah, as far as I can tell, it's kind of weird because sometimes they mention he has great strength, but then they keep saying he's got no powers. Well, he's stronger than the average guy. He's seven feet tall. It's he's true. He's a it's big, muscly dude. I mean, and he gets shot, and he's got to, like, pull the bullets out, and he's yeah. kind of a big baby about it. So in the wake of Chaos War, Hercules has given up his godlike status to save the universe from the uh, Chaos King. Mikaboshi. And it was great, too. Chaos War was so fun. It was a ton of fun. This is basically continuing on from Incredible Hercules, which in itself picked up from where the Incredible Hulk had left off. Right. This is Hercules in New York living like a homeless person and righting wrongs as he finds them. This He's carrying around an arsenal of mythological weapons. And I love the thing they do where every time he uses a weapon, they show, like, the ancient Greek. What it is. Like, wall glyphs and explaining the story of what he's carrying. I love that. Yeah. It's so fun. So we've got Hercules in the city, you know, fighting crime and injustice where he finds it. And meanwhile, he is actually hearing the prayers of the faithful, which is something I don't think anyone has ever addressed or at least I don't remember ever seeing it in comics. But I, this is the first time I ever remember seeing, like, somebody responding. Like, Hercules... Like, actually... Like, psychically Actively hears, worshiping yeah. and him psychically feeling He it. psychically hears these prayers and then he goes to where they were worshiping and finds, like, an altar that they set up and there's beer. <laughs> he's like, This Whoa. is the best offering ever. <laughs> but, you know, he's he's too late. You know, the place is in ruins. He sees the bones of the goat or the calf that was sacrificed in his name, which he 
he kind of criticizes them for under his breath. And then he I sees a missing cool. poster for the cow. Yeah, like, you seen I- my calf? <laughs> <laughs> Hercules is being called to these uh, altars, but he is always too late. Like something's happened. And behind the scenes, there is this group called the Warhawks that uh, worship Ares. It's also kind of dumb. They've tattooed faces and they're sort of like this group. I don't even know what they're supposed to be. Maybe a generic gang, you know, like. They're a gang of street toughs. Yeah, a gang of generic street, like adult males of all ethnic and racial backgrounds that paint skull and crossbones in their face and walk around with machine guns taking over trains, <laughs> you know. It, they could have been a little better thought out, you know, like they could have been anarchists or something. I don't nah, know. nah. I, I, I was fine with it. I mean, they worship the Gotta god of it. war. I, I understand. You know, it's not about white or black or where you come from. They, <laughs> it's about war. It's they, he's bringing people together, like Michael Jackson. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. <laughs> and so the Warhawks are kind of showing up and desecrating these altars. Spreading general chaos. Yeah, spreading general chaos. So Hercules is trying to figure out the Warhawks' plan and stop them before they cause any more damage. And we learned that George Michael was Greek. I George didn't know that. Come on, man. I didn't That's know that. common knowledge. I George didn't Michael know. Is, to- is totally great. I thought he was British. <laughs> I really enjoyed this book. Fred Van Laney and Greg Pak do a great job. I really loved The Incredible Hercules. It was a, a fun book. So great. The Herc Amadeus Cho team-up book. And the art was always really good. The art was always really Which good. Which is what I want to talk about now. We'll get to that. <laughs> But, you know, there's a lot of little elements here. Hercules kind of living on the streets, finding some new friends, and the guy gives him a, hu- a history lesson about George Michael. And no Amadeus Cho. And he, no. Uh, but, like, it's little little humor touches, like Hercules staying in the guy's guest room. Yeah. And there's a Wham! poster on the ceiling above the bed. named after George Michael. <laughs> now, let's, let's talk about where this book falls down. Okay. Let's talk about the art. Neil Edwards is an artist that is usually seen on books like Fantastic Four, where he was filling in for Brian Hitch during the Mark Millar run. And here, he's a last-minute replacement for George Janty. George Janty was supposed to be the artist on this book, and then suddenly it was Neil Edwards. Yeah, George Janty got uh, brought back to Dark Horse to do Buffy Season 9. Good for George's. Which I like. I, I'm in George it. or George's? Uh, let's call him George, because George's sounds so weird. If it is George's, I'm sorry, but we'll go with George. But I would have liked to have seen him on this book. I, I just think this is – it's not bad. It's mediocre. Well, okay. It's bad in parts. Yeah, there are parts that are – flat. There's there are some laughable panels, flat-out laughable panels. There are parts where it's decent, and then there are parts where it just is awful. It doesn't feel like a strong start to me. No. and Art-wise. But the story is so good that I kind of saw past it. Yeah, I'm in. I'm still in, but – not my favorite art choice. Uh, now, the the cover is by Carlo Pagulian. We're really knocking him around this week. I know. But he was an, he, he drew, I think, uh, like a Planet Hulk. Yeah. and He'll be drawing a Planet Red Hulk that's coming up, too. It's true. And this is a great cover. Gorgeous. It, it would have been fine if he had drew, drawn the book. <laughs> or Koi Pham, who drew Chaos Who drew in, uh, Incredible Hercules and Chaos loved War. it. But, yeah, unfortunately, the art is the weakest point of this book. And so if art is big in your eyes, if it ruins it for you, I'd give it a skim it. But the story is so strong, I have to give it a buy. I'm going with a buy it here, too, because I love Hercules. I love Van Lenti. And I'll give a pass to the art if it gets too annoying. I don't know how long I can hold on. So for now, Herc 1, 
buy it. I mean, yeah, I'm more of a story guy, so it doesn't bother me as much, but your mileage may vary. What caught your eye this week, Matt? Speaking of catching my eye, non-player number one, if there was a better cover on the stands this week, I didn't see it. This is written and illustrated by Nate Simpson for Image Comics. Non-player is the story of Dana, a young computer programmer in what seems to be the near future who's becoming more and more disinterested in the real world and spending more time in a fantasy-themed massive multiplayer online role-playing game which is MMORPG for you cool kids out there. Sort of like World of Warcraft if it was played using the device in your brain. Dana holds a job delivering Mexican food for Senor Ninjito, which I really (laughs) like, and doesn't seem very interested in finding a job using her amazing programming talents, which she has used to rewrite the world around her, at least as she sees it, using what seems to be similar technology to the one that she uses to play the role-playing game. So this one is all about the art. There was huge buzz about the art here, and for good reason. It's amazing. Guys like Mobius, Jeff Darrow, and Moritat had all given non-player a huge thumbs up. And like I said, just looking at the cover, you can see why. The buzz is absolutely warranted here. Simpsons' attention to detail is on every page, and not just the ones with the gorgeous fantasy wilderness scenes and giant lumbering beasts being ridden by soldiers with layered plate armor and design shields. It just gets ridiculous at some point. But even the pages showing Dana's room and her mom's kitchen are beautiful. One of, the, one of the places that artists like this tend to fall down, in my opinion, is action sequences. And for the most part, Simpson doesn't seem to have any issues with his action or his pacing. His point of view is very cinematic, and it, it feels like he's directing a movie. I got a very, like, Wachowski Brothers feeling from reading some Siblings. of the action here. Pardon me, Wachowski, Wachowski siblings. siblings. There, uh, there was one odd scene where, like, an elf character gets killed by one of the NPCs that it took me a minute to figure out where he was going with it. But, I mean, other than that, perfect. Really, really page for page perfect. There's a lot of really little details for those who are paying attention. Like, uh, you could see, like, they're in this section that's like a waiting room where she's talking, like a waiting slash chat room, basically, like a lobby, where she's talking to another character, and there's little, like, Richard Scary toys from the Richard Scary children's books I didn't rolling even around. That. And there's like uh, a giant, ro- or not giant robo, it's Tetsujin 28, a miniature version of Tetsujin 28 that comes up that to means. tell her, like, you're running late for work. He was a giant robot from an, an old 80s anime. So many little things that he drops in here for like video game fans. Oh, yeah, it's the mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, avatar, the mom's avatar. Yeah. The, yeah. So many little things he drops in here for video game fans, for anime fans, cartoon fans. This is just, it's thick, really <laughs> thick. His art is gorgeous. Well, I do disagree that it's all about the art because I really liked the story. No, I'm, and I'm getting there. But yeah. I will say the major buzz here, like the story. Very well done. The buzz was definitely yeah, behind not that. heavy-handed at all. Very well written. He's careful to sort of guide us through the story through conversation as opposed to direct narration. Yes. Like a lot of guys go, like, Dana, waking up for her job that she can't stand, rolls out of bed. You know, it's not a Stan Lee story. <laughs> the only thing that worries me about this book, and it's a small worry, but whenever we tend to run into super artists like this, and there's a long list of them. Yeah. You gotta wonder how long it takes him to pump this stuff. When out. will non-player two be out? Yeah, and now, I, now I will say, if he can do this on a monthly basis, or even every other month, I'm saying flat out, he's one of the most talented guys working in comics right now. Yeah, and that's not to take anything away from these guys that really are good, like Steve McNiven, like Travis Cherist is a perfect example. Put out beautiful, absolutely gorgeous stuff, but it takes him forever. I'm hoping. 
he's not that guy. But at the same time, I don't want to see him rushed. Well, I am super curious to know how long it takes him to do this. It's incredible because this is straight up incredible, like Mobius level incredible fantasy stuff. I give this a huge buy it. Going back to the story real quick, I I love the idea of the fantasy world and the real world kind of blending together. Mm-hmm. In fact, really well executed for a. A, a decent chunk of the beginning, we don't even see Dana at all. It's, it's all about... It's her avatar. No, no. It's about uh, the princess or whatever. Oh, right, And right, her, right. the captain of the guard, talking about well, having to put down a guy because he was bad-mouthing her. But which is very much like if you've played World of Warcraft or any, like, Bioware RPG. You get these little cinematic parts where it shows you what's going on, and then your character shows up to do whatever he's going to do, you know? Like, it was I, fun. Well, I don't know. I kind of got the impression that the game world, the characters in the game world will be, at, if not as important as Dana and her friend, they will at least be an ongoing element. Well, there's definitely something going on there because they do comment. They're like, man, did you see how that NPC freaked out? Yeah, I've they, re- they reacted very like strangely. That. So the game is not exactly what it seems. No, definitely. But... I give it a strong buy. This is a book you have to read, and I'm sure it's going to sell out. Track it down while you can. That's the end of our reviews for this week. You know what that means. It's time to get out your pointy aerodynamic helmet, your spiky shoes, and your skin-tight leotard, because you are the anchor on this three-man bobsled ride. Hug your partner's butt. We call the lightning round. Heroes for Hire, number five. Total disappointments. Huge art change. The story felt really rushed. I loved this book. Didn't like it. I'm ready to say leave it on this one. No. Eh. Terrible ending. I give it a skin. So rushed. Blue Estate, number one. Total noir comedy. Elmore Leonard writing comic books. I give it a buy. Solomon Kane, Red Shadows, number one. I don't know why I keep giving Solomon Kane a chance and why <laughs> I thought Bruce Jones was going to be the guy to make me interested. We've talked about this. This Bruce is Jones. so boring and so heavily over. This guy narrates more than Doctor Doom. Leave it. Chew number 18. Another great issue by Eisner-nominated <laughs> John Lehman and Rob Guillory. Uh, I love this book. It's the return of everyone's favorite killer chicken... Boyo, buy it. Scar, King of the Savage Land, number one. This book has everything that should make me love a comic book in it. It's got Kazar, it's got Zabu, Shanna. It has Devil's Dinosaur and Moon Boy. I mean, come on. It's like they're speaking <laughs> right to me. You know what? I didn't care for it at all. Super boring, weird story. I don't like seeing Kazar in a suit lead. Annihilators, number two. Total cosmic fun. Abnett and Lanning, ten and what? The... Cosmic badasses of the Marvel Universe doing what they need to do. So fun. Uh, uh, Rocket Raccoon and Groot backup story. Still the best part of that comic book. Buy it. Who is Jake Ellis? Number three. Love this book. Uh, On Twitter this week, I said it's like Jason Jason Bourne if he had an imaginary friend. Buy it, buy it, buy it. (laughs) Jonah Hex, number 66. Oh, man. Why has it always got to be cannibals? Why? <laughs> Another great one-off issue by Palmiotti and Gray and beautiful art by Fiona Staples. If you're not reading Jonah Hex, you need to examine your brain. Buy it. Fear itself, number one. Ooh, it was so good. It was so good. And Stuart Immerman is drawing on his head. This I don't is understand crazy, the haters. Crazy good. There are people out there that don't like Stuart Immerman. They, those people are... There's something so wrong with crazy. you. There's something wrong with them because this is beautiful. This is Matt Fraction. Writing a great, big, huge storyline here, and we're going to do a very special episode. We review Fear itself, so we're not going to go too much into it, other than to say, buy it. Side note: Fear itself 
the home front. <laughs> Not so much. So heavy-handed Not in so the actual real-life fear allegory. Yeah. Uh, I like I like the speedball story because I love speedball. Weirdo. The rest of it was just too over the top. Well, I skip prefer it. penance myself. Shut up. Ultimate Comics, Captain America, number four. Cool. Super strong finish from Jason Aaron and Ron Garney. I wasn't 100% on board with this book at the beginning. I don't really care for the character of Ultimate Captain America, but this issue was amazing. I like it. I like the John Wayne Captain America. It's fun. Give 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 it a read. That's your lightning round for this week. The bobsled team had a little difficulties in turn number four and almost flipped over, but I think we held it together Everyone nicely. Everyone stayed on the ride. Everybody stayed on the ride, and that's what's important. <laughs> Let's take a look at some comics we're excited about for the week of Wednesday, April 6th. I am super pumped for G.I. Joe Cobra Civil War Number 0 by Chuck Dixon, Mike Costa, Javier Salteris, Antonio Fuso, etc., etc. we got to start working on that Chuckles tattoo for you, don't we? Oh, man. <laughs> You won't stop talking about this book. This is seems like a kind of a jam book between the creative teams of the two main G.I. Joe series. I don't read the main one from Chuck Dixon, but I'm on board just for the Chuckles or the G.I. Joe Cobra elements alone. Matt, what about you? Journey into Mystery 622. I oh, yeah, man, so excited. It's going to be fun. Kieran Gillen and Dougie Braithwaite, or Doug Braithwaite, since he's a big boy now. Uh, I loved <laughs> Kieran Gillen's Thor run, where they went to hell so much it was just perfect it was, it was ridiculous good. north mythology it it read like an iron maiden record it was so <laughs> much fun and uh yeah i'm really excited for this one it, it was so much better than jason aaron's wolverine goes to hell by the way hey you want to read a good like superhero goes to hell story thor goes to hell by kieran gillen uh you know what despite every fiber of my being shouting against it I am totally in love with the idea of Kid Loki. <laughs> I like it too. That's but why do and we know why he's a kid. kid? Do we know why he's a kid? No. Yeah, we'll get there. I'll bet. This one <laughs> looks like fun though. Yeah, it's gonna be good. All right, you know what that music means? It must be time to ask a nerd. This is where you kids write in and ask us your most intimate comic book questions. Gross. I know it is disgusting. This week's question comes from our pal Flash Thunderhide via Facebook. Bleeding Cool is reporting that Flashpoint will allow DC to renumber slash consolidate some titles and start with all new number ones and hinted at something else major, yada, yada, yada. Joe, you and I have gone back and forth regarding timelines and comics, but at some point in the near future, I think Marvel and DC, this is Flash speaking, by the way, I think Marvel and DC have to restart their continuity. Is this DC's chance to restart? I hope not. This is a great question. It's a good question. I disagree that Marvel and DC need a restart. Yeah, I, do we really? Because at any but time, that's a separate. Discussion. We can just forget about what was going on or rewrite it or whatever. Yeah, but I, I, I hate to think that DC is just going to start over. I do. I did hear some rumblings that some of the alternate universe elements from Flashpoint will stick around, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, I, I mean, you kind of have to, to. Otherwise, it's just an alternate universe story where nothing happened. Right. But as far as DC using this as a springboard to, like, restart all continuity, I, I have to say no. Yeah, I don't see it. But, you know, the renumbering, renumbering reshuffling of certain titles... I can see why they'd want to do that. It's a very good excuse. But leave to do that. those old legacy titles alone. Do not try to renumber Detective Comics no. or Superman or any of those or Action. Oh my god. 
They're going to hit 900. Yeah, DC will pay Resist that yeah. urge. DC please. will pay the Seagull family a fair amount of money before they restart that continuity. Yeah. I mean, so, I have to say they might they might reshuffle some things. Um it might be more like what they did for like Zero Hour and Infinite Crisis where those were kind of just like soft reboots. Yeah. Where it wasn't even really a reboot, but they used it as an, a new status an opportunity quo. to – It was a new status quo for the They universe. reached back in time and tweaked things. You right. know, things were – there were subtle changes without like and Jeff throwing Johns, the whole line away. Jeff Johns is famous for that. Yes, exactly. And uh, I think that, that Flashpoint will see maybe some continuity cleanups, but definitely not – a ground zero restart. Thanks for your question, Flash. As always, if you guys have an Ask and Read question, head over to our Facebook page or send us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com and throw down the geeky gauntlet, kids. Remember, if you're challenging Joe's status as nerd overlord, be sure to make your email for Matt's eyes only. Sort of, sort of, break it, break it down like this. That's it for the super unlucky 13th episode of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast this week. And it did kind of go off the rails. It really did. You should see what we're going to have to do in post-editing here. If you can't get enough of two quote-unquote good friends trying to one-up each other's insults each week, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes where your star ratings and reviews are essential for maintaining our fragile mental health. <laughs> As always, you can find all things THN at TwoEditedNerd.com. Plus, you can become a fan of the show on our Facebook page. Where THN. You can... That's THN. That's cool, man. We've arrived. What up, y'all? THN. Live and full effect. <laughs> Head over to our Facebook page where you can submit Ask a Nerd questions, beg for some required reading suggestions, and answer the question of the week. This week's question, which series, graphic novel, or creator... You feel deserved an Eisner nomination but got snubbed. I got a list, but that's just me. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at TwoHeadedNerd. Or send an email to TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com. You can follow my comic speculator blog where I write about comics new and old at WorthPoint.com. And follow me at Matt Baumstein. You can find updates to my webcomic at GoodPlusOnline.com. Follow us on Twitter at GoodPlusOnline. And follow me at JoePatrick116. So until next time, my babies, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Masalama. Masalama.